from the bed and I get up Taking a shirt off, showing it, tattoo, screaming and hollering it all Got the gift to come up with it, put it together, deliver, make them feel it Look, a pinhole, shine Pull me out the pills, y'all It's DFS MVP, I'm Holden Kushner with 4for4.com's director of DFS, TJ Hernandez with us. Welcome to episode 151. Before we get going here, TJ, what's up with the music today? It sounds mystical. (laughs) Yeah, uh, (laughs) mystical's big single, Danger, from his 2000 album, Let's Get Ready. Uh, If you guys enjoyed that intro music, along with all of our other intro songs to the podcast, you could find that on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Go to Spotify, search DFS MVP, or look for it on my Twitter. What's going on with Mystical? Is he still around these days? Or um, I don't know. I haven't haven't heard from him lately. I don't know what he, I'm sure he's he has some uh, local concert. Oh, I just looked it up. He's for... fifty. Wow. Yeah, and he has a whole and he got fat and he has a whole bunch of mug shots. So really aging, not going well. really aging ourselves. We're playing fifty-year-old rappers. How about that, dude? Yeah, Wait. I didn't know he was that old now. <laughs> oh, okay, whatever. Oh, it's a stalker that got arrested. So different things we're talking about here. Let's talk about some NFL. Yeah. By the way, you've been listening for free the whole year. Just come on, playoffs are here. Go win some money. DFS sub just dropped to fourteen dollars. Yep. But yep. Just do it right now. Sign up. That's all I can say, TJ. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still uh, we still have a few weeks of um, of action left. We're starting here with the wild card round, but uh, I think if you've been listening and you've been wanting to check out the site. Um, only 14 bucks. We still have all of our projections, all of our, our tools running. Uh, so it'll kind of give you a, a taster into what we do all year with these bigger slates. Um, and then, of course, it gives you access to our Discord as well. So we're always in there on, on the weekends and up to kick off talking about any last minute changes um, to what we talk about here, to what we write about in the articles. So that's always fun, too. All right, let's do it. Wild yep. card weekend. And this is a cool one because we got six games. We got yeah. a Saturday slate, a Sunday slate, and then a Saturday-Sunday slate, which the prize pools mm-hmm. are a little bit lower, but I did see a couple on DraftKings where I think there's a $100,000 grand prize. Yeah. So if you're trying to get in, there's still some good six-game slate prize pools. Yeah, definitely. We're going to talk about this as two different um, slates since that's what both FanDuel and DraftKings are using as their main slate. So Mm -hmm. everything we talk about here today will be focused in on a um, three-game strategy, three-game slate strategy, which is a lot different than a full slate, obviously, those shorter slates. Um, there, there's just different ways to approach them. Um, the salaries will be slightly different. Um, if you're playing the six game slate, the two day slate, uh, that, uh, slants a little more towards the strategies and the builds we've talked about with, um, with main slates. It, it plays pretty close to a full slate. So, uh, I, I mean, you could kind of just go into four for four and, and, and build that way. But like I said, here, we'll be talking about them as separate slates. So when we're talking about, um, contrarian plays or core plays, that means for that specific day, not for both days. All right. Very good. Let's get in on this. Yeah. We're going to start with Saturday. Maybe the most intriguing game of the whole slate. I'm mm-hmm. still going to go with one game on Sunday. That's more intriguing than this one, but yeah. I love it. Colts bills. The spread right now, Bills, six and a half point favorites. Mm-hmm. 51 is the total. The big, we know the big guys, right? Yeah. And Diggs is trending toward playing as we tape this on Thursday. Yep. I saw the report. Beasley's dancing. He's trending toward playing too. The big guys are coming back. Who are the highest known guys on the Bills and the Colts? 
Yeah, so I mean the the big names here obviously are going to be uh, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Jonathan Taylor. They'll probably be the highest owned players at their positions um, on Saturday across all three games. Uh, so we're going to be probably building around them in any type of format uh, on, on these type of slates on these three three game slates. What we're really looking to do is try to figure out um, what game flow we're going to try to build around and just how to be unique. Like every relevant player on these slates uh is is worthy of of consideration obviously if you're focusing um on tournaments but what we really care about here is how most people are going to be building and i think that the saturday slate sets up we're really trying to figure out how we're going to build our passing games the the sunday slate kind of sets up more to how how are we going to uh dominate with our with the rushing attacks just because of the way the um the teams are built and, and the game flows are expected to go um but ownership is really going to be concentrated traded if we will obviously get to the games uh, all the games individually but ownership's really going to be concentrated on the bills um and the buccaneers so uh building around those as your cores as your big stacks uh, is where people are going to start uh josh allen stefan Diggs are going to be in most lineups that play bills but uh bringing it back with jonathan taylor starting with jonathan taylor um as one of your locks is fine uh i, I just think there's the running back position is so thin obviously just again three games but just kind of an ugly day for running backs all around that you can really consider hitting the lock button on Jonathan Taylor and uh, especially if you're playing like three max or something you could definitely play him in all of your lineups on Saturday yeah I love it yep he's just gonna be the chalk um John Brown he's back T.Y. Hilton Gabe see let's talk about Gabe Davis for a minute and and with the core because let's say Beasley and Diggs are playing Mm -hmm. to me Davis is still worth a stab because of the touchdown equity yeah, so I mean, just talking through how the slate is probably going to shake out. Uh, we saw John Brown kind of used like used Week 17 as a warm up, but I mean, he had 70 plus yards and a touchdown um, on four catches. So at sub uh, six thousand dollars on Fanduel, sub five thousand dollars on DraftKings, even though he only played half of Week 17 uh, with the other starters. Because the Bills are going to be so popular, he's probably going to be uh, among the most popular players um, uh, of the week. Now, what we want to do is we want to look at uh, how can we um, be unique? What's the best way to attack the Colts? Well, where the Colts have really uh, struggled is they have really struggled against wide receivers lined up. Uh, in the middle. So they've allowed the seventh most yards per attempt to wide receivers light up in the slot. And they've allowed the ninth fewest completions on deep balls. Both of these defenses are really good at limiting deep balls. So we'll touch on that with TY shortly. Um, But what that means is I think that if we're looking at the bills and we're trying to figure out, we're going to be double stacking them. How are we going to be unique? Then I think what, the interesting thing to do is to play digs with either Gabriel Davis or if Cole Beasley plays, then uh, Cole Beasley being overweight on those guys as opposed to being overweight on John Brown because of how um, where Indianapolis is vulnerable. I mean, even if Beasley does play, like you said, that kind of just turns Davis into 
a low-owned differentiator. Over the final month of the season, um, he actually led the Bills' wide receivers in snaps, played more snaps than Stephon Diggs. And going back to the point about attacking uh, the Colts in the middle of the field, Gabriel Davis has actually run the most routes from the slot on the team. They they move their wide receivers a lot. Obviously, people think of Cole Beasley as uh, the primary wide receiver, but this is a team that's going to throw a ton. Um, their running backs aren't going to be super involved. They're not going to run a, cho- a ton of like four wide receiver sets, but they'll run some, and there's going to be enough to go around, and Gabriel Davis is, uh, has shown that he's effective enough that he's usable even if... Um, Cole Beasley plays. Now, I will say on these slates, three games is it's just big enough where you don't have to be forcing like a 5% play. Um, I, I think all of these wide receivers, again, even if Cole Beasley plays, uh, these four that we mentioned on, on the Bills will draw over 10% ownership. Um, but we saw just going back a couple weeks ago with um, with the Saturday slate, all of the in in the biggest tournaments, all of the uh, the players in the winning lineups or in the top ten or top one hundred, however you looked at it, were in at least ten percent of of lineups. You don't need to play like a player that's playing fifteen percent of snaps like you might in a showdown. So I think it's important to note that uh, because people will look at the size of this slate, um, be a little concerned about being unique and and just like play those super deep dart throws. You don't need to do that on a three-game slate. So I think Gabe Davis and, uh, again, if if Cole Beasley is healthy, they are kind of in that range where they're going to be un- unique enough in Bill's onslaughts to to roll out in tournaments. Anybody else you want to talk about from this one? Um, I mean, I, I, I talked about the middle of the field there. Um, Dawson Knox at 4,900 on FanDuel and 3,200 on DraftKings. Obviously not a slot receiver, but he kind of fits into uh, that category of uh, of players that are just going to have touchdown equity that you can add to uh, your team to be unique. Um, if you aren't rolling out Bill's onslaughts, or if you just are looking for a way, like maybe you're just playing Josh Allen and one pass catcher, Zach Moss did lead the team in um, touches inside the 10 over the final half of the season. So he has some touchdown equity there. Uh, he's, he's, he's a little risky. I mean, that's a play that I'm probably not going to use too much. Like you don't need to use a super contrarian back on, on this slate. Um, but that is worth noting. I think probably the most interesting thing to talk about in this game is the bring backs again a lot of people are everyone's going to be playing jonathan taylor that's fine no matter how you're building your lineups but when people are stacking this game a lot of people are going to look to ty hilton he's obviously got volume and touchdown equity and deep balls but the bills uh one of the best teams at limiting deep balls and ty hilton should see a lot of uh tredavious white covering him so zach pascal he's kind of taken over that number two role over the final month of the season 82 percent of snaps and he's the only player besides ty that's averaged over four targets per game over that final month with 23 percent of air yards so if ty's getting a lot of tredavious white i do think that uh an interesting way to be unique is to bring back zach pascal instead of ty hilton I like it. I'm just going to throw out a bet that I made. I want to get your thoughts on it. Would you go over or under 25 and a half rushing yards for Josh Allen? Oh, man. Um, I'll just tell you what it is as you're thinking. So (laughs) my thinking is, A, the guy is completely capable of doing it. Yeah. Uh, B, 
I think that, and then I had a buddy do a study on this, and it kind of pointed toward quarterbacks that are already predisposed to run will not hesitate to run as much of the playoffs with everything on the line. So I hit the sure. over on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like think it. it's it's a it's a tough bet, but I really really have some conviction here that Allen's going to use his legs just to, just in addition to him throwing for whatever he throws for. Yeah, I mean we haven't had to talk about it a, a ton just because I mean he's still running obviously a ton of rushing touchdowns, um, and I and he's I, I believe he's over 400 yards on the on the year on the ground. Yeah. Um, but I mean he can I mean all they need is is one play where they run like three streaks and Allen pulls it down and he could get that on one play. Yep. Yeah. And so then, well, like the that. other thing is like when you're making prop bets for quarterbacks, the biggest thing that I've noticed at the end of the game, if they got to kneel down, you're losing two or three yards. So basically, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'll add two or three yards onto that. And I yeah. still, I think he can push 30 this week. I really do. I think he uses his legs. Um, Indianapolis and I f- try to get some pressure. It'll be all right. Yeah, I think that's really important to note, though. That's like shouldn't just be an afterthought because with these mobile quarterbacks, again, like Josh Allen has been so efficient, the Bills' offense has been so good um, that obviously you can uh, you can double stack and, and on a three on a three game slate you could even onslaught like triple stack, but you should probably be building some lineups where you just have a Josh Allen single stack with um, with a Colts bring back because there are a lot of scenarios where, you know, maybe just one of his pass catchers has a big game because he runs for 50 yards and two touchdowns. Um, in that scenario, it's going to be really hard for two pass catchers to go off. So you should be building some lineups with that in mind for sure. The other thing that's fascinating about Allen is like his – passing props up near 300 yards which is astronomical Mm -hmm. you think he gets that this week uh yeah i mean again i think it's just kind of building around the different scenarios i I think if he gets that he's probably less likely to have a huge rushing day and vice versa um so i i think if i do think he's going well over 300 then those are the spots where I'm double stacking and sometimes even triple stacking. Um, I mean, I think the bills are just rolling and, and John Brown, even though I mentioned the Colts don't allow the deep ball, he just adds such a different element to their game that, uh, I mean, I, I think their offense just kind of continues what we saw over the last five weeks of the season, six weeks of the season. All right, let's get into our next game. Rams, Seahawks. The Seahawks are three and a half point favorites at home. 42 and a half is the total. And all signs point toward Jared Goff playing. And I'm going to go into this assuming he plays. The bigger question for me is how healthy is Cam Akers? But let's start with Goff. Yeah, I I mean, assuming Goff is playing, I think that the impact this has on this game with the the other two games, um, with everything we just discussed and what we're going to discuss about the Buccaneers and Washington game coming up. Um, even if Goff plays, I don't think that necessarily means that you are um, like going with some crazy contrarian stacks with, with Goff or even um, or even Russell Wilson. I just don't think this is a game that we should necessarily be stacking. I What I do think is that if Goff plays, that we can be more inclined to to run a a mini stack um, from this game. Now I know it seems like crazy to split hairs on such a small slate, but if it isn't golf, if golf for some reason uh, some reason doesn't play, then it's just really hard to justify 
whatever you're stacking, whether it's the Bills, the Bucks, or, or um, even um, Washington or, uh, or or the Colts, to play multiple wide receivers from the Rams in a lineup if Goff doesn't play because Walford runs so much and just obviously isn't a, a great throwing quarterback. If Goff plays, I think you can play two pass catchers from the Rams in the same lineup, um, just mini stacking this game. This game is one of the lower totals, um, but what is really interesting, both of these defenses have faced top 10 passing rates in neutral game script over the second half of the season. Before Goff got hurt in that stretch, the Rams were throwing at the ninth highest rate in neutral situations in that span. So they're letting them throw a lot, letting Goff throw a lot. Um, and teams typically throw against both of these defense. Now, Seattle's pass rush has been really good down the stretch. They were really bad in the first half of the season. Second half of the season, top 11 in pressure rate. I think Cooper Cup coming off the COVID list, a lot of people are going to talk about that. Jared Goff's health, a lot of people talking about that. I think one of the most underrated notes of this game is the fact that the Rams left tackle Andrew Whitworth could be coming back. He hasn't played in quite a few weeks. So that gives their offense a really big boost. And I think that could really go underrated in terms of people projecting the Rams passing game. Mm, I think this is just really fascinating. Just back, just the Cam Akers thing is, is what really is getting me. Mm -hmm. Like if he plays, this could be just a monster spot for him because there are some really yep. good value running backs. It's 6,100 on Fandle and 5,100 on DK. Boy, he had a lot of carries last week too, and he just looked a little bit slow, and I, he had less than two yards per carry. So what do you think, Cam Akers? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they struggled, but he's a core play for me. I mean, mm -hmm. he was questionable going into the week um, and then is a late active and then gets 25 touches. I mean, I know he wasn't effective on those touches, but the fact that they're giving him that kind of workload um, in a game that they had to win. Now, I know Walford was playing, so they might be looking to take some pressure off him there, but just the fact that they're giving him that kind of workload suggests to me that as long as he's active, he's going to continue to see that kind of work. Seattle's uh, hasn't been good against the run, and when you consider Cam Akers, 6,100 Fandle, 5,100 DraftKings, I mean, on this slate, we'll get to the running backs in the next game, but... After Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers is really the only reliable guy in terms of volume on this uh, on this slate. So I think you have to be playing him um, in most of your lineups. He's going to be the highest owned player in this game, and I don't think he's necessarily a fade. Anybody else you wanted to get to? Yeah, I mean, I, I touched on the fact that I think um, – Cooper Cup, obviously, and Andrew Whitworth's return are going to make both Cup and Woods viable. I think if you're looking for a mini correlation play, you could actually uh, play them together. On the other side, I think the thing we have to uh, address is the fact that DK Metcalf is probably going to be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey in two games against the Rams this year. Metcalf has totaled just 16.7 total FanDuel points. He hasn't scored in either game. He hasn't hit 60 yards in either game. He had a game under five FanDuel points over the final month of the season. Metcalf and Lockett had identical target shares. Um, Lockett was actually seeing deeper targets over the final month of the season. So with him, uh, 
DK being covered by Jalen Ramsey, if you're looking for a mini correlation play or a one-off from the passing games, I think it is Lockett with Cup or Woods or Lockett as a standalone play in other stacks. Um, the Seahawks defense is going to be popular just because they're favored and they're cheap. They're 3,600 on FanDuel, 2,700 on DraftKings. Uh, the tight end position on the slate is pretty thin. So I think you can play Tyler Higby here in some uh, one-off spots. And then Chris Carson, he's been, he's seen 15 touches per game since his return um, from injury. $7,000 FanDuel, $5,900 DraftKings. Because of that volume, he is a leverage playoff of Cam Akers, um, especially um, just because the Rams' secondary is so great that Seattle might have to get something going with Carson. And then Rams' defense, they're underdogs, but only slight underdogs. So especially on Fanduel, where they're priced all the way up at 4900 they're a really interesting contrarian play if you're building lineups where you have the Rams winning. The next game to get to on our slate would be the Saturday night game. Mm -hmm. The ugly one. Bucks minus eight at Washington, which, by the way, I think Washington covers and the Bucks still win. Yeah, I like, I like the, that a lot. Uh, yep. I like under 45. I like ugly games. I like uh, I like this to be an ugly game. And let's not forget, like, most quarterbacks suck under pressure. But Brady has really, really struggled these last few years. Yep. And Washington could put pressure. And on the other side, the Bucks defensive line could put pressure out here. Uh, are you, would you play Brady this week? Uh, I am going to have a lot more Josh Allen. But because of the total, because of the spread, uh, I, I think him and Josh Allen are going to dominate ownership. I mean... Will I play him? Yes. If I'm playing um, single entry, it's going to be Josh Allen. If I'm playing three max, I can definitely tell myself a story where I don't play a Tom Brady lineup. Um, I do agree with you that I like Washington kind of going in reverse here as a contrarian play. Their defense is a contrarian play because of the pressure. I think that they can and will get on Brady. And just because they are eight point underdogs, uh, I really like them in when you're stacking the bills. Uh, that means you're not stacking the Buccaneers, which a lot of people are going to be doing. So making bill stacks with Washington defense kind of lines up with the narrative that you think bills are going to be the better team to stack. Uh, so I think because they are big underdogs that they won't be as highly owned as they might be, but this is a game where there are a lot of leverage opportunities, especially if Alex Smith is healthy because the way I think it plays out is very similar to how we saw it play out two weeks ago on the Saturday only slate. When Tampa Bay was playing Detroit, we saw Tom Brady around 30% ownership. Um, and we saw all of his wide receivers, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and Chris Godwin, all in that 25 to 35% ownership range, kind of cannibalizing each other. And I think with Evans practicing today, that it kind of plays out that way. So on the other side of the ball, Logan Thomas will probably be the most popular tight end on the slate because. He's really the only tight end seeing big volume, but I think there are really great leverage opportunities because the Buccaneers wide receivers are going to be so heavily owned. Um, Terry McLaurin is going to be 
the obvious volume play, but Tampa Bay secondary, they've really struggled. Um, Cam Sims is probably going to see more time against Sean Murphy Bunting, who's allowed the most yards and fantasy points per target of any cornerback on the Saturday slate. And Cam Sims has been seeing much deeper targets than Terry McLaurin. So I really like um, Cam Sims as a, uh, as a contrarian play. Like I don't think the Buccaneers are going to get completely shut down. Um, but I do think again, if you, are focusing on other stacks, many correlations with Cam Sims and whatever whatever Buccaneers pass catcher you like uh, is a, a mini stack that um, is very contrarian and interesting to add to other team stacks. So if Evans plays, mm-hmm. does that change anything for you with those Tampa Bay pass catchers? Like where, because you already talked about the pass catchers. Like if I had to rank them this week, probably... Godwin Brown one one a, but if yeah. Evans plays, it's like gosh, I got to figure out how to get an Evans lineup in there because he's still going to be out there now. He's obviously not going to be close to one hundred percent, but mm-hmm. he's such a big target and he's going up against a team with a couple of little shorties at cornerback. So yeah, I, <laughs> so, he has an advantage, right? So I actually like um, targeting the Tampa Bay offense a little bit more if Evans does play, because that will dilute all of their ownership. If he doesn't play, I think Antonio Brown's uh, ownership goes through the roof. I think he'll be um, probably the highest on wide receiver on the slate after Stephon Diggs. If Evans is just out, uh, I think Chris, De- Chris God will probably hold steady and we'll see a little bump from Rob Gronkowski. But if again, if we see that, um, Evans is active and and we see that diluted ownership like we did last Saturday, then I actually kind of like either double stacking Brady with Evans and Brown um, or playing Evans and Brown together as a mini correlation in um, lineups with another quarterback. The Washington, the Washington defense, they're really good pass rush, but they're just, they're also really good at, defending the middle of the field you mentioned that their their cornerbacks are, are kind of small they rank six in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends and they allow the third fewest yards to wide receivers in the slot so that would suggest that if they're going to limit somebody on the uh, buccaneers they're going to limit godwin and gronkowski so i think it really points to being to evans and brown being the pass catchers that you're overweight on on the buccaneers so we move on to the Sunday slate now. Yeah, can I is, touch on can I touch on the uh, running backs in that game? Mean, real can quick? you? Of course you can. <laughs> this come on, man. Give me a break. I missed the running backs. How, how yeah. dare I? Um, uh, we saw Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette get um, a kind of a, a semi equal timeshare last week in Week 17 when Tampa Bay was playing all their starters. So you would assume if they were just going back to Rojo as the main play that we would have seen that. So I actually think that I'm really only playing either of those running backs in games where I'm building a lineup like Tampa Bay um, is blowing out Washington, maybe stacking one of them with, with the Tampa Bay uh, defense and, and like a single stack with Brady. On the other side, obviously Antonio Gibson is the starter, but if you're building teams in such a way that you think that Buccaneers are going to cover and win by a lot, I mean, Jaden McKissick is the player that is 
his target share is huge with Alex Smith in there. And I guess we should have said at the top, like all of these suggestions are really contingent on us hearing that Alex Smith is going to get a full complement of snaps. They've been talking about uh, rotating quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. No. Uh, I think that's a little bit of window dressing there. So, uh, I mean, J.D. McKissick in as a bring back in Tampa Bay stacks makes a lot of sense because of Tampa Bay's up. J.D. McKissick is getting a lot of work. Um, so, Antonio Gibson's a floor play. You could use him as a core play um, if you are playing cash games. But in tournaments, uh, I mean, his his upside is, is really limited because they just need to either keep the game close. So, he makes sense if you're making lineups where you aren't super heavy on big Buccaneers stacks. But if you are onslaughting the Buccaneers or like double stacking the Buccaneers, McKissick makes as much sense as any of the pass catchers as a bring back option. Hmm. Now we're ready to get on Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Let's absolutely. do it. This is my favorite game. Ravens Titans mm-hmm. Ravens three and a half point favorites on the road. Total here is 54. Lamar Jackson has been running his uh, his butt off here recently. Derrick Henry, it's mm-hmm. it's it's, I don't know. Is he DK two K? I don't know what the hell we're calling him. But two thousand yards. I don't mark. know. I I tweeted King Henry with a two in front of the king. Does Fine that with me. Sense? That's right, just so brilliant. Know. We'll go. With I that. actually was just kind of being sarcastic, and I hate the nicknames, but I just wanted. To How do you first. say that, by the way? Like two king, two king Henry. Yeah, you can't say that. <laughs> you know, just, then there's Andrews and Brown. Can yeah. we, let's start at the bottom real quick. I want to get sure. your take on AJ Brown because Paulson, John Paulson's super high on him too in his rankings uh, for this week. AJ yeah. Brown, it's a is it a boomer bust situation again? What's the floor there? Um, no, I actually, I actually think that this. So we let's kind of zoom out and think about how we're approaching this game in the slate so i could talk about aj brown i mean i just i don't think compared to saturday there's a lot of creativity i don't think there is a lot of ways to be super creative on this slate i think for the most part we should really be focusing in on this game um i don't think the other games are insanely stackable i I don't think we're onslaughting any of the other games from both sides we'll get to the saints a little bit they are huge favorites but i really think we're building around as many ravens as titans as possible and more looking for one-offs or mini correlations from both of the later games um so with that as the starting point, I think that the way that the, the Titans um, attack the Ravens is with volume and efficiency um, and more underneath stuff. Baltimore, they don't really allow explosive plays. They've allowed the third, uh, I'm sorry, the seventh fewest completions on passive 20 or more yards downfield. They've allowed the third fewest completions to gain at least 20 yards. So that actually points to AJ Brown or over Corey Davis, um, just straight up because Corey Davis, especially is the deep balls is the high average depth of target, uh, plays. So even though Corey Davis is much cheaper, 6,400 on Fandle, 4,800 on DraftKings compared to 8,400 and $7,000 for AJ Brown. Um, AJ Brown is the pass catcher that I'm I'm really looking to on the Titans the most uh, this week and the one to be the most overweight on, even though he is probably going to be higher owned and more expensive. Hmm. Marquise Brown, Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. Mark Andrews, the passing game. See, now... I don't see J.K. Dobbins on here. 
Yeah, I do. Ravens backfield. That's mm-hmm. my guy. Yeah. It's all about the Dobbins. This guy, everything's opened up for him with Lamar Jackson running again, and his legs are fresh. Yeah, he's been getting – so, I mean, it's it's a really interesting situation with the Ravens backfield because Dobbins and Gus Edwards, if we just look at their yardage, their snaps, their, their carry shares, um, they haven't been that far apart. But Dobbins is getting all of the goal line work, um, especially these last like two or three weeks. Of course, the concern with Dobbins is that he isn't going to correlate well with Lamar Jackson. So Dobbins is the way I'm thinking about how I'm building these lineups. Dobbins is going to be unlike even just the other side where I think you could play Henry and Tannehill together. Um, Dobbins is going to be in the lineups where I'm, not playing Lamar Jackson. Mm. Okay, run down the rest of this one. So I think this is really, we we haven't really talked about too many contrarian scenarios, Um, especially on Saturday. I I think the Bills, I think you could argue that the Bills spread is a little low. It moved down to six and a half. I think it should be at least a touchdown. The Rams and Seahawks, I I, I don't think that game, like, surprisingly shoots out uh buccaneers washington there's a lot of passing equity on that side just because both secondaries aren't great and like washington might cover but i don't think we're gonna have like an upset there i think this is the game the ravens and the titans that could be the biggest surprise of the week in terms of for contrarian build i think we can build have some lineups where we build around a ravens blowout um, the Ravens are just clicking on all cylinders right now. Lamar's playing back at his MVP level. The Titans are a defense that you can really attack however you want. And the Ravens are a defense that really limits big plays. Um, so if they can contain Derrick Henry and keep everything underneath like they've really been able to do all year, then I think this is the game that can surprisingly really get out of hand. So mm. even though we don't typically roll out Lamar double stacks, I do think um, that there might be, I know I just said, typically I'm not building J.K. Dobbins lineups with Lamar Jackson lineups. I do think there are spots or or there's going to be, especially if you're playing like 150 max, where you can roll out, Lamar with either Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews and J.K. Dobbins because I do think there's a scenario where they score that many um, touchdowns. Uh, my preferred play this week on this on the Sunday slate is Lamar Jackson over Ryan Tannehill. I know a lot of people are going to be flip-flopping because it is a high over-under uh, 40, uh, 54 and a half with a spread of just three and a half. Uh, obviously, all of the guys that we've mentioned are in play. All of the main players are in play. Uh, I think probably the biggest thing to note on the Tennessee side is what I already mentioned, that just Ryan, Han- Ryan Tannehill has been efficient enough and Derrick Henry is so explosive that even though they don't necessarily correlate, if you're playing the Titan side of the ball, you're playing because you're just expecting a really big shootout. Um, if you are playing Ryan Tannehill over uh, Lamar Jackson, obviously you're getting uh, salary savings there, but you can play um, Henry with, with Ryan Tannehill. I just, I, I love this game. I yeah. just love it. And I know you're talking about blowout, but... Man, there's just no, so I mean, many I, ways I, to go. Sure. I mean, and I'm just saying I don't I, I'm not like necessarily predicting a blowout. I'm just saying if we're if we are looking for spots to 
build uh, around an unlikely game flow. I think building around a Ravens blowout, like a, a big stack with the Ravens, and then maybe only one pass catcher bring back for the Titans, um, fading Derrick Henry is a interesting contrarian build. I don't see Ferkser on your list. What the hell? <laughs> um, John U. Smith uh, is my contrarian play if we're looking for a contrarian pass catcher i mean on the Ravens side their passing attack is so concentrated mark andrews and marquise brown accounting for two-thirds of targets and air yards over the final month of the season um that any of the other guys are are really dart throws on again on a three-game slate i don't think you need to be throwing out a a duvernay or a sneed or a des bryant if on a on a showdown slate sure um but not uh on a three-game slate the contrarian play again. We already talked about Corey Davis is kind of a core play if you're stacking that game. John U. Smith, even though he hasn't been getting a ton of volume, um, he is a leverage off of Mark Andrews, who should be the chalkiest tight end on the slate. And even though Smith uh, hasn't been seen a ton of volume, just four targets per game over the final month, he's getting a lot of looks near the goal line or or um, deep target looks. His touchdowns per game expected touchdowns is a metric on the 444 air yards app actually exactly the same as aj brown so johnny smith you're playing him for touchdown equity you're playing him in ryan Tannehill stacks to be unique will you tell me a little bit more about that stat there the epa uh the epa or the expected touchdowns uh expected touchdowns i should say because yes. we have epa we got so many expected things here what is this one we have yeah, so uh, Kevin Zatlukal, our data scientist, the guy that uh, builds our apps for us, he has a metric on the Ariads app called expected touchdowns. And basically what it does is it looks at the area of the field where every player um, every player's target comes from and then calculates touchdown rates from, uh, from targets from that area of the field and then gives every player expected touchdowns per game based on where they're seeing their targets. So it's, I mean, it's important, right? Because if a, if a player is seeing five targets per game, if all of those come on the uh, opposing side of the field for on their own side of the field for one player and on the red zone for the other player, uh, those are very different targets. So expected touchdown just kind of captures that. Okay. Anything else in this game you want to get to? Um, no, man, I, th I, I think we kind of covered it again. I think it's just, this is the game that we're onslaughting on both sides. Uh, I, I think you can have five, even six players from this game. I, again, the Sunday slate is, I think it's more boring than the Saturday slate just because there isn't a ton of room for creativity. Obviously you still have these other two games to cover. Um, but like we've, we saw it, you don't need to touch on every single game. Um, We've seen it on the major sh smaller slates this week. Sometimes, I, not sometimes, often, it's just better to try to be contrarian within that obviously higher scoring game than trying to um, predict an unlikely outcome from an entirely different game. I'm just trying to be unique in this game like and it. then get unique mini stacks around it. Yeah, but I we'll like touch it. on the other games, of course. All right. So Bears Saints, Saints heavy favorites here. 10 points, mm -hmm. 10 and a half totals, 47. Kamara still up in the air. We don't know if he's going to get cleared from the COVID list. You would think he does, but you never know. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing with, with Latavius, I guess. That's the big questions. We've got Mooney not practicing because of an ankle. I think A-Rob missed practice too, but we're talking yeah. here on Thursday. I'm not, I really little, little concern about 
A-Rob. But let's start with the high-owned players. Of course, that's going to be Alvin Kamara. We don't know if Kamara's playing, if Michael Thomas is playing either. Yeah, I mean, we're we're going um, on the assumption that they are playing uh, Michael Thomas' return to practice. I mean, Kamara, based on the timeline of the COVID list, he... Uh, is should be cleared to return on Sunday. I guess that's pending uh, negative test results. But as it stands right now, I have Kamara and Michael Thomas expected to play as two of the highest owned players um, on uh, the slate. I have Kamara and Derrick Henry basically neck and neck in ownership on both sides. FanDuel favors uh, running back ownership a little more. So I have... Um, Derrick Henry, slightly over 50% ownership. Alvin Kamara, over 40% ownership on Fandle. Both of them right around 45% on DraftKings. Uh, I mean, he's a lot cheaper than Derrick Henry on both sides, so people aren't automatically just going to jam Henry over Kamara. We know how explosive Kamara is. Um, Ian Harditz notes that the Texans, Cardinals, and Bengals are the only teams that have allowed more explosive run plays than the Bears this year, even though cumulatively their their stats against running backs are, are pretty good they do allow a lot of big plays and then if michael thomas comes back i mean if he's active i know he's as a lot of his um work late in the season was with Taysom hill but we've seen it we have enough of a sample size with drew Brees that if michael thomas is active he steps in he gets a 30 percent target share no surprise um He's priced down as a risk, 6,800 on FanDuel, 6,300 on DraftKings. That's just way too low for a player that's probably going to see 30% of his team's targets. Uh, I'm, If I'm building around this game, they are obviously studs that I'm jamming into my lineups with uh, all the players we mentioned in the game before. Uh, this is really, if I'm building tournaments around this game, it's Saints Onslaught. I don't think you need, I don't not think, I know you don't need to touch on every single offense in this game. I, I on this on a slate, even on three games, you can get away with not having pieces of an offense and I'm fine. Especially again, if I'm playing single entry or three max, not even touching the bears offense. Hmm. Don't even touch the bears offense. No, David Montgomery says you. Yeah. I mean, Dunt Montgomery, he obviously is going to be, a core play uh, just in terms of players that we see ownership on because he sees so much of the bears um, rushing attack. And obviously we do have to build for fragile spots. Like if the game is a little bit close, obviously David Montgomery is going to see a lot of work, but new Orleans, they rank top 10 in schedule adjusted fantasy points to every single position top five to every single position actually so they've been a dominant defense um the bears the, i mean the reason that i am really trepidatious about relying on the bears this week is because even though they have been a very high scoring offense over the last whatever five weeks of the season even though they didn't look good last week so much of that has been montgomery breaking off big plays against bad defenses and Trubisky just throwing short, letting Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney break plays against bad secondaries. New Orleans isn't that team. They're they're not going to sell out to stop the run. They're just going to let their players play their positions, play really good defense, have a good pass rush, and 
the Bears aren't going to be able to use this dink and dunk and then run for 40 yards after the catch against this defense. Um, so I, I just don't think we see anything that resembles the Chicago offense that we saw over the final four or five weeks of the season. Okay. I like it. I got one more game. Got a little news from this game too. Robert yeah. Spillane is back. Uh, he should be playing this week. This is a very important piece of the run game, the run-stopping mm-hmm. game. He's an inside linebacker. And without him down the stretch, those last four games, the Steelers' run be kind of stunk. And yeah. this is going to be an extraordinarily difficult task going up against Nick Chubb this week. There's so many other things that are going on. I mean, there's no Stefanski. There's no head coach. Cleveland just lost a safety, too. Um, and I think a, maybe a defensive end as well. They lost an offensive guard. They're really in trouble, and the mm-hmm. Steelers are coming off basically a bye week. So, because right. they didn't play any of their, their big starters, especially offensively, uh, no Roethlisberger and such. So, talk to me about the highest owned players in a game where the Steelers are five point favorites at home. The total's 47. And do we just start with the guy that Ben Roethlisberger loves to target all the time? Sure. Deontay Johnson and, and Ben Roethlisberger are the two players that uh, we should see the most owned in this game. I don't think we're going to, we're not going to get a ton of like mega chalk from this game. I think Deontay could be 35 to 40%. I'm still kind of tweaking ownership numbers, which I will put on the website uh, probably tonight on four for four. How do you um, come up with those? Sorry to go off on a complete left turn, but <laughs> yeah, I, I've tried to do this myself. I have no mm-hmm. idea how to do it. Um, math. It has to add up to math. Cor- <laughs> yeah. Cor- <laughs> Everything has to add up to to, to a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. There's, um, you know, there's only so much ownership to go around at each position, and then looking at historical um, ownership percentages for projections and 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 similar salary. Mm-hmm. It's really tricky on these three game slates. We don't run it through our our machine learning model. Kevin doesn't, uh, which he does for full slates. So it's kind of more feel. Um, on on these shorter slates but like looking at the there, we don't have a ton of data for these smaller or we do it's just hard to, to get but just looking at things like the thanksgiving slate like the saturday only slate over the last couple of years you can kind of get, get an idea of how these ownerships are going to fall so um it's it's a lot more art than science on these shorter slates but mm-hmm. uh, i mean i i think it, it at least gives us a pretty good primer to uh where where ownership's going to fall, at least relative to other players at their position. I digress. Let's get back <laughs> no. to this game. I, did, yeah. I ask um, everybody that does ownership projections how they do it, and I, it's just something I'm not going to bother. I'll just cherry pick off you guys. I don't care. <laughs> totally tailing on ownership projections. No. It's it's all good. Uh, no, but but what I was saying is just because of because of Kamara, because of Thomas, because of all of the players in um, the early game, I think we should kind of be looking at this game as as more of spots to uh, for contrarian plays or for uh, mini stacks to be unique. Af- after Deontay Johnson and Bith- Ben Roethlisberger, uh, I don't think we're going to see really any chalky players. I, I mean, Juju will be relatively popular. Uh, James Conner just kind of by default, even though the Steelers do throw more than any other team in neutral game script uh will get some ownership just because there's only so many running backs to choose from you could see him like approach maybe 25 percent ownership but i think we'll see Deontay around 
30 to 35 uh, percent with with Juju slightly behind and then Chase Claypool as uh, the third wide receiver there. So because Pittsburgh throws at such a high rate um, and they they have struggled down the stretch, but we talked about the injuries, Rodney Harrison out um, the Cleveland Browns just kind of decimated again by the Browns. I think just the most likely scenario to build around is Pittsburgh winning by a pretty comfortable margin. And if they do that, it's probably going to be on the arm of Ben Roethlisberger. So uh, unlike some of the other games where we talked about, like, I don't think like we are with Diggs, like we are with AJ Brown, I don't think you need to necessarily hit the lock button on Deontay Johnson and then decide which of the other pass catchers that you like. I think you could actually look to be contrarian on the Steelers side and instead of locking in their highest volume pass catcher um, again especially if you're playing like single entry or three max um, where you can't kind of cover all your bases then being way more overweight on combos of Juju Claypool and Ebron rather than um, throwing Deontay in the mix with them my guy and I'm going to go down your list here my guy this week is Austin Hooper he's just Mm -hmm. getting pelted with targets He's a big part of this offense now. I mean, what do we got? We got Chubb. They're really not utilizing Hunt in the mm-hmm. passing game. You got Jarvis Landry. And I think Hooper's just probably going to be the number two guy in the passing game now. Yep. Without um, without Stefanski, uh, without uh, without Joel Batonio, and how good Pittsburgh is at getting after uh, the quarterback and just their front seven in general – I just don't see a scenario where we are going overweight on the Browns in terms of teams are stacking. Obviously, if you're building, if you're going to be building Steeler stacks, um, like we're not only going to be building Ravens and Titan stacks, if, especially if you're playing 20 or to 150 lineups, you're going to be mixing in some of these other stacks. Bringbacks are fine. Austin Hooper is uh, my preference. Uh, I mean, Jarvis Landry's up there with a big market share uh, with a high expected touchdown rate. And then Kareem Hunt as well. Uh, Obviously, people are going to play Nick Chubb for his volume, but if this game goes as expected, I think Kareem Hunt, 5,900 Fandle, 4,800 DraftKings, he uh, just opens up more salary for us, um, especially when we're going to be trying to get up to some of those studs in the Ravens and Titans game. So uh, along with Hooper, Hunt, and Jarvis Landry are the players that I like most on the Brown side of things. Um, Steelers are going to be mega chalk their defense, um, but that's expected. I think probably just the takeaway there is – not to be playing them in in a ton of spots where you um, do have Browns. I mean, I I guess that's a little obvious, but it's not like a a spot where you can play a defense in a high-scoring game um, against some of the opponents. I I don't think this is a place for it. Um, But those are the guys that I like on the Cleveland side of things. Mm -hmm. I like the breakdown, man. I got to tell you, it's very thorough. Anybody else? I mean, we got Ebron on the other side, the Steelers defense you already talked about, even with some injuries. I think the Spillane uh, return is going to be a huge one there. It's fun. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, we didn't touch on – obviously, we didn't touch on every single starter. We touched on some of them. I think if we – if you're wondering, like, what about this player? It's probably a player that's going to see moderate to high ownership that we're just not going to be overweight on. Uh, again, 
most of these starters on these three game slates are worthy of consideration. I think the big takeaway that we talked about up top is to be building around specific game flows to understand where you want your correlation place to come from, how you can build mini stacks, um, and just the fact that you don't necessarily need to have these super deep dart throws, even though uh, it is only a three game slate. Like, looking for other ways to be unique like we talk about um on the podcast in week 11 and the intro to some of these other podcasts uh saving salary and stuff like that leaving salary on the table is a better way to be unique than just playing some random five percent play there's still there's enough of a player pool where you don't need to do that all right buddy good breakdown enjoy the games this weekend everybody it's gonna be absolutely spectacular Mm -hmm. i heard though that our t-shirt announcement is here is it time oh no we so i just wanted we announced last week we gave away the code Uh for um for the chronic t-shirt people hit it hard so like our our system let a a few people order t-shirts after the inventory uh got claimed so a a handful of people will get dfs the blue dfs mvp t-shirts instead of the chronic t-shirts i like that one more sorry i mean we're giving away it was free it was a it was a little extra bonus from us so i don't know hopefully you like the blue one if not uh i don't know give it to a homeless guy i like the i like the blue um, one more personally. but yeah so a couple people uh that will surprisingly get the blue shirts instead hope you guys don't mind uh i should note that uh we aren't going to be putting out full showdown articles on the side over the next couple weeks but jeff hicks will be in our 444 discord which is only for 444 dfs subscribers talking about his showdown strategy so if you're looking for showdown on the site make sure you're checking it out there you can still sign up for 14 bucks for the rest of the season um obviously all this will be in our content breakdowns on the site and uh, if you want some more action, check us out on Twitter, Holden at Holden Radio, 444 at 444 Football. I am at TJ Hernandez. We will talk to you guys next week. Stand up, boot up, Tell somebody if they want to try it, boy, come on down. No sweat, no blood, no tears. And if I tell you it's a hit, that's just what it is.